I was looking back and forth between my granddaddy and this thing, and this thing was going to get to us before my granddaddy ever thought about it. He turned the corner in the pasture to get around the barbed wire fence. When he did, he came within sight line of this thing that was loping towards me and my sister. When it recognized that my grandfather was running up there to where me and my sister was, it come to a low stop and then stood up on two legs as tall as erect height-wise as it could. And it, it, it had an embarrassed look, in my opinion, on its face. Like, I got caught. I wasn't supposed to get caught. This is Bob Gimling, and you're listening to the Paranormal Portal. Welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful night, and thank you so much for tuning in and supporting all that we're doing here on the podcast. It's uh, been amazing. You guys have been amazing out there uh, checking us out and subscribing and downloading, and um, it's just a real, real pleasure. Uh, of course, I'm your host, Brent Thomas. This is the Paranormal Portal Podcast, and uh, once again, special thanks to Revolver Podcast for making all this possible. have an amazing guest joining us tonight ladies and gentlemen he's a longtime friend of the show longtime friend to don and i uh mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. um the gentleman who's joining us tonight is a, is a, a really an incredible figurehead and mainstay in the in the bigfoot world uh he's uh, a man who has a lifetime of experiences um both pursuing them and just growing up around them and i i he also started a lot of the media that you enjoy today. We are joined by the one and only Mr. Jim the Bear King. 
So welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you on. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us. You've been on the show a few times, and it's been an absolute pleasure every time. In fact, one of the first, the, the first show we did with you, you were on location out uh, on, I don't know what you, if you call it a research trip or an expedition, or if you guys were just he out. He was booger hunting. You were boogering. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, I see it. But you, you've had uh, an incredible lifetime of experience with these, with these beings, and it started at a very early age. And if you wouldn't mind, could you kind of recap your journey for any of those out there listening that may not be familiar with who you are? Well, in, uh, it had to happen in 1966. Uh, I was six years old. Me and my brother, we, we shared a bedroom. Mm-hmm. Out in the country, uh, no air conditioner. We had a, a box fan put in the window in the dining room at the other end of the house, uh-huh. and it was facing outward. Uh, I know the time of the year it was. Uh, it was August, about the mm-hmm. end of August, uh, September. Okay. It was hot outside. I remember we, me and my brother was asleep. And something woke us up outside our bedroom window on a rise above the back of our backyard. On top of that slope of a rise was a a four-strand, five-strand barbed wire fence. Uh And uh, something was clicking and cooing at the same time outside that window, and it woke me up. Hmm. Uh, I never had an idea what it was or what it was doing. Um, of course there was no lights on in the house. And so our eyesight must've been a pretty, uh, older moon phase because it was kind of bright outside. You could see out back. Okay. Uh, And you can see from the bed, actually the bed was at the west side of the house. The window outside the house looking on this slope was to the east and, uh, Something was going, well, I woke up and recognized that it was coming out the window. And so I I raised up, I I remember raising up on the bed and I was looking out the window and something was draped over that barbed wire fence slowly swaying back and forth. It was, you know, to the right, to the left, slowly swaying. Mm -hmm. Uh, Its arms was draped over the fence, almost touching the ground on our side of the fence, and it was just making this cooing, clicking sound. And, uh, of course, me looking at it and seeing it, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, so I woke my brother up. And he took one glimpse, and he hauled ass. He, he, uh, yeah, he, he, he don't let the dust settle underneath his feet when he sees or thinks he sees something he ain't supposed to be seeing. He, he gets a good case of the get the hell gone. And fear is contagious, and so I chased after him, and he ended up in my mother's bed on the west side of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh. I jumped into bed too, and uh, I remember him telling my mom there was a big monkey or an ape outside our bedroom window, blah, 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 so on, so on. 
I do remember Mama settling us down, but she didn't get up to go see if there was one outside the bedroom window either. So, you know, <laughs> I guess we kind of broke even on that one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you think she, do you think looking back, did she know about these things before then? I knew that. That's why I was able to print, pinpoint the date so well because I remember the date. That was when my mother and my father separated. We lived out in the country. Oh. And uh, mom was there basically as a single mom by herself. Sure. And uh, we was, uh, I don't think there would have been no way in hell you'd have got her to get out by that bed to go see if there's anything outside our bedroom window, <laughs> even if she brave enough to do it or not. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> then there was another experience up there too. Um, when you guys, yes. okay, uh, sorry. I'm we like... moved in with my, well, we moved in with my grandparents, you uh -huh. know, mom couldn't keep the house. She couldn't afford the house payments. That was the only acre of land we lost in the, all the years, uh, we've owned the property. Mm. Uh, she couldn't keep up the house payments and everything. So we had to move in with my grandparents. Well, when we did that, we was, you know, that was just around the corner. It was on the same property, oh. uh, about a mile down the road. <clears throat> but, uh, me and my brother, and my sister, this was in 1970 or 71. I can't remember for sure whether I was 10 or 11 when this occurred, but me and my brother and my sister were catching lightning bugs or with other people yankees called fireflies oh sure and we called them lightning bugs we'd we'd get a mason jar each and punch holes in them with an ice pick and you know uh put a little grass in there and catch all the lightning bugs mm -hmm. put them in the bedroom at night when we go to bed and there you have your own show until you wake up the next morning and they're all better than hell because you done <laughs> took all the oxygen away from them but they served their purpose that night you know uh hmm. we've been told by my grandfather to come on in several times it was getting dark of course when it gets dark uh that time of the year, a lot of snakes start crawling too, and you don't, you know, we was running out there in the back pasture, mm -hmm. and uh, he he come a third time to the back door to try to gather us up, and he seen something move on the fence line, farther to his left, uh, kind of in front of where me and my brother and sister were running all across this pasture chasing down lightning bugs. Mm -hmm. And this thing started loping toward us on all fours. And my grandfather didn't have time to grab a, anything, a gun or anything. He just bailed out the back door and started screaming and hollering toward us kids out there in the pasture. Mm -hmm. We, of course, didn't see what this was coming toward us. We just heard my grandfather acting crazy in a way that he's <laughs> never done, you know, before. Sure. And so we all stopped what we doing and turned immediately around to look at my granddaddy because, you know, he's never acted like this before. It was very strange behavior coming mm -hmm. from him. Sure. And we got to noticing that he was looking to our right at something across the pasture from where we were. So we turned around and saw this thing loping towards us on all four legs. It was... Uh, using his knuckles on its uh, arms where his hands was 
and he was just loping toward us. Well, there goes my brother again. He takes out running. Uh, he <laughs> leaves me and my sister standing there holding the lightning bugs, I reckon you'd say. Uh, my sister's legs just, she just, her legs just melted out from under her. Yeah. And she hit the ground screaming. And right. uh, well, when she hit the ground screaming, I was torn between trying to chase after my fear is infectious brother who was hauling ass, <laughs> and or staying with my sister. And I was looking back and forth between my granddaddy and this thing, and this thing was going to get to us before my granddaddy ever thought about it. Yeah, he turned the corner in the pasture get around the barbed wire fence when he did he came within sight line of this thing that was loping towards me and my sister mm-hmm. when it recognized that my grandfather was running up there to where me and my sister was it come to a slow stop and then stood up on two legs as tall as a wreck height wise as it could mm-hmm. and it, it, it it had an embarrassed look, in my opinion, on its face, like I got caught. I wasn't supposed to get caught. I think it got wrapped up into hearing me, my brother, and my sister squealing and sure. laughing and cutting up while we was chasing those lightning bugs, and it just wanted to be a part of it, mm-hmm. it to a certain degree. It never felt at any time like there was going to be any harm done toward me, my brother, or my sister. Sure. And, uh... When my grandfather run up there to us, of course, my sister grabbed him. He picked her up, and uh, this thing had slowly started walking to its left toward the cedar thicket that was at the north end of the pasture then, but it was always looking over its right shoulder back at us. It never would take its eyes off of us, but it did it on two legs, whereas when it first come across the pasture, it was loping on quadrupedally four legs wow that must have been a nightmare i mean it's just it's the kind of thing that just gets tattooed in your mind yeah well it it, it stays there mm-hmm. so i have a lot of problems with a lot of people who claim they get into this and they've seen this one they've seen that one they've got video they've got this they got that and they can just so easily walk away from this there's no way you can walk away from this yeah yeah yeah, it's uh, you know when Don and I were at the the festival this last weekend, we were there was a there was a, a, a mannequin Bigfoot set up, and it was an eight footer. Yep. And it was the first time I really like you hear things like oh, it was eight foot Bigfoot. It was eight you know eight or ten feet or nine foot, and it's really hard to get an idea of what that means. Mm-hmm. But when when I was standing next to this thing looking up, it's like okay, now I kind of understand what that means, and that's that's horrifying. You know, if that was a lie well, and coming I've at seen, me. I've seen the picture of you and Don standing yeah. by the thing at the Squatch Fest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was big. Now, I one time we had an outing outside of Lufkin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a yardstick. And uh, it was a 12-foot yardstick. So I, she had a big old oak tree out there next to her yard, the host of... We we had about 20-something people show up at this thing. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, 
could you give me an idea? I said, I can come close, but it's no nothing like the real thing. Right. What I did was took that yardstick and only made it 10 foot tall. And I used uh, some tape mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I taped off the 10 foot mark. Then I took it and I centered it on two and a half feet and spread it out five feet wide. Right. From up about where 10 foot tall one's shoulders would have to be. Mm-hmm. And they took pictures of that, and they could not believe the massive size that actually is. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people are seeing the what Dan Ricky, one of the outlaws, call a gangbangers. That's who he calls these juvenile teenage oh. Bigfoot creatures. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what a lot of people see more than they see anything. They stand anywhere from seven and a half to nine feet tall. Uh, it's rare that anybody has seen what is considered an alpha, which is anything 10 foot or taller. I don't see them getting monstrous size, but Mm. I do see them getting at least possibly in the 12 foot tall range. And that's tall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's all kinds of tall. That's, that's, that, that has just got to be, uh, absolutely horrifying to come out and it depends i suppose on the proximity but i mean just knowing what these things are capable of and how quickly they could move i mean even if they're 50 yards well, away they could close that in a, in a blink yes and eight foot tall that's that's not even full grown size yet yeah and uh that's still in and of itself massive when you see it with no uh Bars between you and it are uh, no cage or no uh, glass <laughs> partition or no TV screen. Yeah. That in and of itself puts it in a whole different ball game too. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, I, I I think it would too because I, you know I, I'm sure there's a dark side to these things as well. I mean, it's not. It's uh, you know the, there's probably a full spectrum of behaviors that that are exhibited, but I imagine there's. The, there's, you know, you hear the stories about the ones that might be rogues that were kicked out and out right. of maybe a clan group or a family group and, and are doing their own thing. And I bet you they could be aggressive. You know, I bet you there's a possibility for that. And you just don't know. As soon as that, you know, becomes visible, you have no idea what those yeah. intentions are. Yeah, you don't know which way that's going to go. Right. Well, I can promise you probably 98.6% of uh, encounters with humans if there's any evil or any retribution throw back, I guarantee you it was the humans that started it. out and hunting these things and uh so i i I got in with a group that i was going to do this too but it was like i was wanting to kill one for all the wrong reasons you know
say there's a comment in our chat uh, by one of our mods, Rachel gets it right. She says it's interesting that those types of sounds that you were hearing back in the, you know, in the house when you heard the clicking and the mewing. Um, but she says the, uh, the sounds at the fence are similar to what humans use to attract cats, dogs, or other animals we want to lure closer. And I thought, wow, that's that's a well, good, good insight. I've looked at it. You know, when you run into something, especially like the first and second and third encounters or whatever, mm-hmm. you, you put all these various clues together to maybe come up with an answer for why it was doing what it was actually doing. I'll give you a brief, brief synopsis of the story. Others have heard the whole story. Okay. What I didn't tell was... Why did that booger decide that night to drape over that barbed wire fence outside me and my brother's bedroom window? Don't know what time it was in the morning or even if it was just midnight or so. Mm -hmm. I just know that we had gone to bed and went to sleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's some things that were going on that I didn't mention in the first story. Okay. I mean, other stories, and you know this yourself, when I told it, I was being very brief. What I neglected to tell was my baby sister was six weeks old in a crib or a bassinet in the same room as my mom. Mm. I'm sure that she, as a baby that young, Mm. may have cried or been restless in its sleep or, you know, so forth and so on. Who knows? Mm. The alpha male of the house, which was my dad, like I said, had just recently moved out. So being out in the country like we was, a brand new baby in the house, the alpha male is physically and notably not around. We're wondering if me and my brother could have jabbered baby talked in our sleep. Mm. Uh, as I said earlier, a newborn baby in the house. Sure. We think that the one over the fence was, I kind of got the general idea thinking about it all these years. Maybe it was trying to calm down my baby sister in the other room. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Because, see, it did not, it had about uh, eight, maybe up to eight, ten yards away from where it was draped over that fence and we could see it in the bedroom window. Mm -hmm. If it wanted to, it could have come up to the window pane itself, but it didn't. It stayed out there. The Uh, distance length of the barbed wire fence. And, uh. You know, you, you think back on everything that you've been told and that you learned over the years, and why did that one pick that night to do that? Mm-hmm. And when you take it, if it, like I said, if it was meaning to be harmful or anything, it seemed to me like it would have been closer to the window, but it wouldn't. Right. And if it can just drape its two upper arms over across the window and okay. just press down, it could have easily stepped over that damn barbed wire fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing it didn't. Wow, that's that's terrifying. Well, you know, six years old, it was bad enough. My brother deserted me, and then any, anyway, <laughs> I mean, hell, I was trying to keep up with him. I didn't want to get hit. 
Now, you've, you've of course, got a lifetime of, of looking for these things or, or being in, uh, confronted with them. And I, I'm wondering how... How has your opinion of these things changed over the, changed over the years? I mean, has your has your idea of them evolved quite a bit over time, or has it pretty much stayed the same? That's a good question because it depends on my level, my maturity levels in life. You know, sure. When I was younger, it was embedded in me and my brother to never talk about these things with anybody, not even in jest, not being serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would not, you know, it, it's just a subject that you just don't bring up in front of anybody and everybody because a lot of people want to make light of it. A lot of people want to laugh about it. And mm-hmm. It's how you can cope with the situation. So we went from that to the point where we knew they was there. It's not a matter of we're not believers, we're knowers. I mean, when you see the see them with the regularity we did as a family. Uh, my granddaddy would see them at different times. My brother would. I would. We would see them together uh, when we're going to check on the fences around the place. Mm-hmm. Then as I got older, uh, my brother passed away, so there went my research partner. My granddaddy stayed with me on it because he was always saying if you ever want to learn what's out in the forest with you, the only teacher there is is if you go out there and learn it on your own. Right. Mm. The best uh, teacher in life is experience. Sure. And, I mean, there's not too many people out there, even with us <clears throat> thinking forever. We never considered this thing a Bigfoot because we didn't know what a Bigfoot was. All we knew of them as was boogers or boogerman or something like that, you know. Sure. That word's been around a long time in the South. Mm. And uh, then all of a sudden we start hearing this thing in the Pacific, Pacific Northwest called the Bigfoot, the Sasquatch. Sure. Hell, we're seeing boogers over here. <laughs> and uh, when me and my brother finally was exposed to the uh, Roger Patterson Gimlin uh, the film. 16 millimeter footage mm-hmm. <clears throat> they was calling this thing a Bigfoot we're seeing a lot of similarities with what we know them as in the south is as a booger you know we've always called them boogers and then my grandfather passed away in the 90s and it was just me and this is before the internet come around then the internet pops up. My wife at the time tries to sell me on getting a computer, so <laughs> I refused to get a computer, so I ended up agreeing to get one of those uh, uh, computer TVs. I think that's what they was called in the 1999. Okay. Well, anyway, when she got that thing and opened up the world of Bigfoot, that's when I got into the internet Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet people and talk to the people of all walks of life. I, you know, it even got to the point where a lot of people were uh, going out and hunting these things. And uh, so mm-hmm. I, I, I got in with a group that I was going to do this too, but it was like I was wanting to kill one for all the wrong reasons, you know? Sure. And uh, so 
I got out of that, which was the best thing that ever happened, because once I got out of that part of my life with Bigfoot, I become more calmer, uh, more respectful in the woods. Mm-hmm. My actions, my uh, body language, my walking through woods become calmer and looser. And it seemed like every time I turn around, because of my experience throughout all them years of them being on the property that I lived upon, I was able to train myself better mm-hmm. into being a more observer mm-hmm. than wanting to prove its existence or anything like that. And it's really been a lot more fun. It's really has been a lot more adventurous mm-hmm. and it's doing it in a more respectful mm-hmm. way of doing it than I've ever done it before. And it seems more gratifying. Right. I guess it's hard hitting this. I know it's a lot of fun. And like I said, it's one of the greatest adventures a person could have ever lived his whole life. Chasing after something that he is told does not exist. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've wasted a hell of a lot of time. Hadn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We sure appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think that's very profound because, you know, you're doing it. You're, the way you're approaching it now is because you're just on a journey. You're on, you're, this, is, this is for you to understand. And I think that would be a hell of a Oh, it, it's, it's even branched out further than that, brother. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I love to deer hunt more than anything in the world. I love to hunt any, any game. You know, I started when I was young. I, I learned how to be respectful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has gotten to the point where being out in the woods with these things, whether you're hunting or whatever you're doing, I'm not mad at anything else anymore. I don't want, I don't kill any deer anymore. I don't kill any rabbits. Yes, I take a firearm with me during regular hunting season, mm-hmm. but I'm not out there to prove myself to anybody anymore. You know, right. it, that's how far the respect has driven itself to be. It's it's not a priority to go out there and just kill something for the sake of killing anymore. I just go out there to be a part of it, and it is so much better that way. Right. Sure. Right. We got another got another question in the chat as well, Bear, and that's from Rachel again, and she says, I've always wondered about the tree knocks. Are Bigfoot using an open hand and slapping the tree, or is it a tree limb or a large rock they pick up and use? What do you think? I know there's a difference between what we call tree knocking and then what we call chest slapping. Oh, okay. But the sounds are very similar. The difference between the two is the meteor sound is chances are it's a chest slap, whereas anything time wood on wood occurs, Mm -hmm. you're going to hear that knock. It's going to knock. Sure. And, uh, Whereas a slap is, that's what it sounds like, a meaty slap on the chest. But at a distance, if you don't listen for the echoing, which more with tree knots, you're going to get more of an echo than you will off of a chest slap. It's going to be more solid in its chest area. Oh, okay. 
Now, what about what about rocks though? Because I know that I think it's the Cherokee uh, or, or some. Well, tribe. some people. I've never heard what they call rock clacking. That's okay. where they get one rock and hit another rock with it. Right. I've never personally heard it myself. Okay. I do have heard the chest slapping, and I have heard the wood knocks. At one time, I had it down to decent. I could carry on a conversation with one for about 35, 40 minutes. Usually when they knock twice, you would respond with one. Hmm. Uh, if they knock once, you would respond with two. Usually if you hear three knocks, it used to up there around my granddad's place sort of meant, hey, is anybody listening? Are you paying attention? We realized that a lot of the knocks was after they spread out during the daytime. Mm-hmm. They have sentinels, in other words, outline of separate, uh, usually juvenile that they trust, uh-huh. and they'll put them in these uh, positions so that they could watch outward. It's usually in an entangled woods area looking out across an open bottom or something. Okay. And the sound travels real good from them. And uh, they'll get bored about 10 or 11 in the morning, and they'll <laughs> knock just to see if the other sentinel is awake or whatever. Uh, it's fun to hear them when they communicating with each other. Uh, it's hard to find that mm-hmm. because you've got to go to isolated, very ice, very isolated areas in this country to hear it. Okay. Uh, they don't play it every day in more civilized, uh, suburbs across this country. Okay. It's usually deep in the woods or in the swamp when I've heard this before. Another question that I have is um, I just interviewed a gentleman by the name of Shane Corson of the Olympic Project, and and they've found nests. And I, I found that the whole discussion to be incredibly interesting, um, talking about these nests that were, they look like big bird nests, but they're on the ground. Very similar to what they they say gorillas do up in the, you know, in the mountains and the lowland gorillas will make these nests. Um, have you ever right. have you ever run into something like that? I've run into one in an abandoned house one time. Oh, wow. uh, yes, uh, it was a back room of an, an abandoned house, and uh, not many people knew the house was there. Okay, and uh, we would use it like when we was hunting, and it would start raining. We could actually go sit on the front porch of this house. And could be watch a, a clear cut. Uh, in the back of the house, though, something had busted in through the back windows, and it had caved all the flooring out of the back bedroom into the ground. There was an old mattress and all that, and it ripped the mattress up and interwove it in the. It, it was like a circle around that darn house. It, to be frank and honest with you, it looked kind of like Big Bird nest off of Sesame Street. <laughs> Only it was made out of garbage and everything, and it would push its feces, and there was old bird bones and other stuff interlaced in the stuffings all around the circumference. But see, if anybody ever come on the front porch, it could easily escape out the back window, which it was doing. 
And uh, we never actually called anything in it, but we kind of knew what created it. Wow. They're very opportunistic, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They'll take advantage of anything and everything. Years ago, back in the 80s and the 90s, uh, probably the early 90s, for erosion purposes, especially in the south along creeks or uh, stream beds or even some rivers, for erosion purposes, they used to park uh, old uh, gutted out cars and truck chassis, you know, to keep the banks from washing out, sure, you know, sure. when a big storm would come around. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, sure. Talking yeah. about? Yeah. These suckers over there near my granddaddy's place, one of them come in through the back window of a 56 or 57 Chevrolet and tore out the back springs and the seats, what was left in those vehicles, and made them a little den out of the trunk of that dang car on the riverbank. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they they love old smokehouses. Oh. If you can find an old smokehouse, you know that even way back yonder in the 1800s, where they used to hang smoked meat from the ceiling, and uh, during the summer they would sweat. Uh-huh. Over all the burlap wrapping and all that sugar and salt would drip between the planks onto the ground itself. Mm-hmm. If you can find old house places that had an old smokehouse, I guarantee you there's chances are that boogers are hanging around that spot for the salt that drip oh. off the rafters of those smokehouses in years gone past. Oh, wow. So do you, you you suppose that the the inland ones maybe not the not the ones along the coasts and stuff but the inland ones then may very well be hitting livestock salt licks and deer salt licks and things like that as yes. well. Yes. Okay. Oh, there's no doubt, man. None at all. Find artesian wells or uh, sulfur springs or mineral. Uh, Salt licks, natural salt licks, old game trail, vein, places like that. Yes. Hmm. Booger is a carnivore. It is a meat eater. It has to have salt. Oh, okay. But they're also an omnivore, right? Like they don't just exclusively eat. Oh, yes. Okay. But sometimes of the year they can't help but be carnivores. Sure, sure. Yeah, I suppose in the in the fall and winter, there's not a lot of berries and, and roots to dig up. Yeah, that's it. been doing this a long time and I ain't run into a dog man yet. I ain't saying he's out there and I ain't saying he ain't out there. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, I am also saying that Bigfoot is real.
Now, I got to ask you this because this is something that I've always wondered personally, but um, did you did you ever notice throughout the years of looking into these things, was there any one season that they seem to be most active in? And what do you think is causing, if it is, what is the cause potentially for that that increased activity? One of the times that I've noticed a lot more activity is for around central Alabama, central Mississippi, possibly certain parts of Arkansas and Louisiana, in February or March, they seem like they increase their activity. They're, They're coming off of a strong winter where... It's lean pickings. In other words, you know, unless you just had a steady of supply of food, which they don't at that time of year. Mm -hmm. This is before what I call the green up or the spring of the year when everything starts busting wide open. Sure. When When they start that time of the year around here, for some reason it seems like they start in breed with each other and i i don't know it's it's mighty funny i call it the nights of uh unrest what i mean by that is it's always the after february the 15th to about the middle of march all the domestic animals the cows the horses the uh dogs everything around here along with feral life like coyotes and other wild animals, they all just really start getting to acting like something's keeping them awake at night. Mm -hmm. And they're hearing something that we as humans cannot hear or we don't recognize if we heard it. And uh, it's keeping all the domestic and uh, feral animals upset at night. And I think a lot of it could be because of the potential breeding activity of these things that time of year. I've seen it happen too many times over too many years around that same period. Now, I talked to a researcher in Ohio about it, and see, Ohio stays colder longer than it does down here in the south. In other words, the spring for that time of year in Ohio may come a lot later than it does in the South. Well, that's when he says he notices the same pattern with creatures up there in Ohio. I talked to somebody out in New Mexico and Arizona about the same thing, and they said that theirs even starts as early as December and January. So all these changes are occurring for certain reason that we as humans do not understand or know anything about for all that, that type activity to increase to the extent it's causing all the animals of uh, domestic or feral to act really uneasy. Oh, yeah. Well, I know that it's certainly no doubt that animals domestic or otherwise seem to definitely react when these things are around. Like, uh, you know, you hear the stories of like everything going quiet, dead quiet, like at the drop of a pin. It's like even the crickets shut up, you know, and it's like, wow, that's really intense. Yeah, it is. It's a, I, I learned that when insects 
or frogs and things like that go silent, that instead of it being a infrasonic sound, it's an ultrasonic sound. Mm. And that, that again, goes back to what I mentioned earlier about uh, the hearing range. Yeah. Us as humans, yes, we, we can't hear half the stuff that a lot of the wildlife out there can hear. Right. And they, believe it or not, are responding to what they can only hear. Right. We got a couple And if of... we can't hear it, we can't respond to it. Right. Yeah, we don't even know what's happening. Got a couple of comments in the chat. Uh, the first one is from uh, Black Rabbit. He's, he's asking, Has it, have, would you imagine that they sometimes steal the salt, salt licks and take off with them? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's happened a bunch of times. We'd always get our salt blocks from the, uh, we call it the feed and seed store. Okay. used to be the old co-op. A lot of places back in the day, when they sold you a salt block, that's what you got. It wasn't even wrapped up in paper or anything. Sure. And you'd keep those salt blocks in the store in the back exposed to the weather. And, of course, back in the day, they could smoke cigars and pipes and cigarettes and everything else, and all the other odors was running loose in that store. My granddaddy would always get salt blocks and take them up there and put them on the ground in the feed yard <laughs> where the horses and the cattle would get. And uh, after they would set out in the weather for about 10 days, the suckers would start disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's not the horses doing it, that. <laughs> yes, well, we figured that that or the deer and everything else. It, whoever was stealing it had to pick them up. Uh, he was, they wasn't toting it off in their mouth or nothing like that. Right. And uh, we figured it out what it was. That salt would absorb all those odors in that store. Mm. And it'd take anywhere from nine to ten days for the odors of that store to fade away. When mm. the smell of the odors of the of Feeding seed shop would fade out after 10 days. Something would borrow or steal every one of our darn salt blocks. My granddaddy got smart. He dug one. He dug a hole in the ground and packed it into the ground with just the surface of it was showing. Mm -hmm. uh, he said they won't get it then. Now, after 10 days, he'd come out there and something with fingers had done dug it out of the ground. That's incredible. Uh, another one is from Black Rabbit, and he says, what's a good way... And I don't know if this is something you may have an opinion on uh, or not, because I know we've talked about this before. Um, but what's a good way to tell the difference between Sasquatch and Dogman activity in an area without actually laying eyes on it for conclusive determination? Well, I've been doing this a long time, and I ain't run into a Dogman yet. I ain't saying he's out there, and I ain't saying he ain't out there. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, I am also saying that Bigfoot is real. Sure. So how can I say a dog man's not just sure. because I haven't seen one? You know, am I supposed to ride that fence? Mm -hmm. I haven't seen one that I know of. I've seen some tracks that led me to think it was dog man. I oh. found them at LBL. Wow. But uh, actually not seeing the what made the track, I could just as well, I say, could say a Bigfoot needing a pedicure or something fierce. <laughs> uh, yeah. It did have claws on its feet. 
that's why mm. the only reason I'm saying if it was a Bigfoot, it, it needed a pedicure job. Wow. But uh, just because I haven't laid eyes on one, mm-hmm. I ain't going to say there's not. But I, I will say this. I have seen some long-snouted Bigfoot before, too. Not so much like a canine, but they, they did have a, you know, uh, a elevated snout to a certain degree. Uh-huh. And uh, I knew what I was looking at was a Bigfoot. It, it was not what I would consider a dog man. Uh-huh. So it, it's hard to say either way. Uh, I'm just looking, I guess you'd say, uh, for a hominid that dropped down on all fours and used its knuckles to uh, walk on. Mm-hmm. That's basically all I'm looking for. You're bringing up an, impor- uh, an important point mm-hmm. because this is often talked about a lot. There's a, right. um, there. Do you believe that there are types of Sasquatch, like people say, type one, type two, type three, type four, that have different physical characteristics, or do you just think that there's just a biodiversity to them, much like there is people? Um, how, I think it's a biodiversity, just like you say. Uh, okay. I know that I have not seen one Bigfoot that has not looked different from each other. Uh, each one has different facial features. Each one had different structure on their facial features. Some of the bigger ones look more like uh, Patty. Okay. But a lot of them don't. Uh, a lot of ones in the South, and I think that's a lot of that's maturity levels. Uh, I know that the ones, the females, if you use Patty as a template, does not look like the females in the South. The ones down here look like a bigger chimpanzee with a chimpanzee-type head shape instead of having a sagittal crest. Uh, Okay. Their arms don't seem as long as a chimpanzee's, but they are longer than a a human. human. Sure. Right. Right. Mm. And but they have longer leg structure than a chimpanzee. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All the great apes, other than that, of course, the chimps and the gorillas have very very stout legs whereas uh from what i've seen of bigfoot and mostly that's patty but she's got pretty uh pretty long legs for for a primate oh yeah yeah much like us well a lot of them a lot of people don't realize this you're never going to find a bigfoot if you find one they say that their knees a lot that sucker's telling you a lie i have yet to seen a bigfoot with a lock knee posture when you your knees are kind of not locked, but you're kind of in a crouch. Mm-hmm. You're going to automatically, your shoulders are going to shoot forward. Mm-hmm. So it makes it seem like your arms are a hell of a lot longer than they actually are if you was able to assume an erect posture. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Does that, what I just say makes sense? Yep. Yeah, we've talked about that the last time you were on, too, and I thought that was really, really fantastic because, you know, I, I, I understand. Sometimes you hear descriptions where the long the arms are, like, past the knees, and it's like, well, how come it's so much longer? You know, because that's, that's a big discrepancy right. from a lot of the sightings. Of course, they're longer than ours, and I think, actually, one of the, one of the sources that I – 
I think of as thinker thunker, and he's you know got it down to ratios and how the Bigfoot is so much more in a primate ratio like the great apes rather than a human ratio. And um, I think that that's really interesting. But, yeah, when you talk about rolling the arms forward, that does explain rolling those shoulders forward. It does kind of explain how come some people see these extraordinarily long arms versus, you know, just longer down to the knees. Well, hey, figure it out, brother. If it's an eight-foot-tall one anyway, he's going to have almost five-foot arm length. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty damn good. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hell of a reach. Yeah. Wow. Well, but now think about him. All right, say a drill drill sergeant shows up, and he says, Attention, and this sucker just decides to snap its heels together, Mm -hmm. lock its knees, throw its arms back and shoulders back, Mm-hmm. Where, how far down does, uh, maybe does its fingertips touch on its thighs? How far down? Think about it. Because if, when you see them in this swell double posture, it looks like they could actually touch their kneecaps. Mm-hmm. But it's when they're slouched that that's happening. Well, brother. Oh, man. It, it's, it's an adventure it, always, but it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Always do. Always have fun when time flies. Yeah. Uh, the Bigfoot Outlaw Radio is not gone. I want to say that for you run me off. Oh. Uh, we're coming back. We may not come back uh, four or five shows a year. I think that's plenty of shows to do. Our uh, uh, objective is not to have see who is the flavor of the week to put on the show we're just going to do mainly a lot of things that we've learned through trial and error going out there stumbling around running in the tree trunks looking for a booger that we're told don't exist but we know different <laughs> uh why would we waste our time otherwise because if we are we show spending a lot of money that we don't need to be blowing on nothing <laughs> Well, they can find that on on uh, Bigfoot Crossroads page on YouTube, right? Yeah, they can find it on Bigfoot Crossroads. We do have a Facebook page. Uh, anybody can join. It's called Bigfoot Outlaws Hideout, H-I-D-E-O-U-T, one word. Bigfoot Outlaw Hideout, if you want to talk to us over there. A lot of us, uh, we do post pretty regularly, and we keep up with things over there. But that's how you can keep up with us more so is uh, Bigfoot Outlaw Hideout on Facebook. Uh, when the radio show comes back, we'll let everybody know plenty of time. We'll even let you know so you can talk to folks for us. Oh, we'll do that for sure. Absolutely, brother. Enjoyed it, Don. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we made it, and it was a good one as always, Big Brother Bear. Absolutely. You know if you need me, you know where to find me. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows, Journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, check it out, guys. We're over there at youtube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So... 
hope to see you guys soon uh we'll be back of course for more podcasts in the coming days so we love you all be good be kind be nice take care of each other help each other out find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can <laughs>